When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. And welcome to the best show on your radio. And by the way, we're going to go past 7 o'clock to 7.30. It is Freddie and Harry. you got Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us on the ESPN app, Series X and Channel 80. And don't forget about telling your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You're going to get an extra half an hour. We don't go off at 7 o'clock tonight. We're going off at 7.30. We're going to lead you into AO battle tonight as two teams will be in the playoffs in October. The Houston Astros will host the Baltimore Orioles. Cards begins at 7.30 Eastern time on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Speaking of being deep in the heart of Texas, Micah Parsons feeling good. Then again, if I play like him, I feel pretty good too because that guy has not been the best defensive player so far, maybe in the NFL, maybe even the best player in the National Football League based on their start and how he feels. He believes that this could be the year finally for the Dallas Cowboys. It feels completely different. I feel like there's a complete like 360 turnaround. You know, because, you know, it's hard when you first bring in a bunch of free agent guys and you sign them to two-year deals and things like that. You never know how things are going to turn out. But I think the first year we were like, okay, we could really fit in the system. The second year was like everyone grew. Everyone felt like, okay, now we we got the ins and outs. We learned, still learn how to play together. But I think this year, man, after Cam, we was like, man, we know what we're capable of. Like, we all know how each other play. We all know how what each other like. The guys is adding Gilly, you know, the safety and – it's looking dangerous right now. I can't even lie to you. That's what he's on the Pat McAfee show, and I don't mind him saying it. It's when the owner says it that drives me nuts because Jerry Jones always does that. Oh, they, 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 I think this is going to be the year <laughs> when we're finally going to break through, and this way I can have that Johnny Walker blue and drink as much as I can because I'm tired of that being on my shelf and not being able to open that bottle because we have not won a world championship since 1996. So now that Micah Parsons has said it, and I don't need to say it on my radio show <laughs> every Tuesday, every Dallas Cowboys fan can feel just a little bit better because it came out of the mouth of Micah Parsons on the uh, uh, Pat McAfee show instead of Jerry Jones on uh, uh, the Jerry Jones show each and every Tuesday in Dallas. You want to know what I'm looking forward to when it comes to Dallas Cowboys? What's that? I'm looking forward to seeing them play – um, a Sunday night football game okay. at San Francisco. Me I too. have that game circled on my calendar. Uh, they have been, I think personally, the second best football team in the National Football League this year. I have the Miami Dolphins at three. I have the okay. San Francisco 49ers at one. Right. But when you have an elite defense, and I think the synergy starts with Dan Quinn on that side of the ball. He's a guy who came uh, there three years ago now, if you're counting this year and revamp a defense that a lot of people on the national media circuit was talking bad about, right? right? Saying that they were one of the weakest links of the football team. And he drastically turned that around. And you hear on numerous of occasions Richard Sherman singing the praises of Dan Quinn. Did a phenomenal job here in Atlanta before things got a little out of control. But he had an opportunity to learn from his mistakes. And how violent he has these guys playing to never take plays off. And when your best player in Michael Parsons doesn't take a playoff, it's easy to coach guys and show guys the way it's supposed to be. But they respect him so much that they don't want to take plays off. They understand what the standard is. And like we mentioned on our show, when our meeting time is at 12 noon, Everybody got to be here at 12 noon. The standard is the standard, the right? The standard is the standard. Exactly. Stop, stop covering your face, Shannon and Mark. <laughs> Everything's going to be all right. <laughs> Shannon's still at minus 60, right, in terms of fines? Yep, and Mark is what, 30? Mark, Mark is mar- minus 30 in fines. Everybody Mark else has stayed. 30. They stay out of the fine. They stay out of the sin bin when it comes to being fined. But those two jokers, those two, you know, those two ruffians over there, those scofflaws named Shannon Ben and Mark Morales, yeah, they're minus 90 so far when it comes to the end-of-the-year Christmas party for Freddie and Harry. But Dallas, they they understand the standard on that side of the football. I think what Mike McCarthy has now provided for their offense is a standard as well. And they're they're beginning to understand what that is. And you see that in the first two weeks. But that's why I want to kind of see it versus also a New England Patriots defense that's, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people think very highly of the San Francisco 49ers in their defense. And 
if they can, I won't say make magic happen. If they can be consistent in, in, in the way they, in the manner that they've been in the first two weeks against those two defenses from an offensive standpoint, then I might have to put them at number one. Okay. I won't put them number one yet. I'm with you. No, not right now. The 49ers have been a better football team. I don't say it's a wide gap, but it, it's enough of a gap where I can make that argument they've been able to do in the first couple of weeks. They beat the brakes off the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they survived the Los Angeles Rams because the vision games are hard to do that. They'll be 4-0, meaning the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to beat the Arizona Cardinals this Sunday. They're going to beat the Patriots Sunday after that. Then that game you circled, Sunday Night Football in San Francisco at 820 Eastern Time on NBC on October 8th, where both of those teams, I believe, are firmly going to be undefeated. So you and I are in agreement that the 49ers are the best team in the National Football League. But Damian Woody and Rex Ryan, ESPN NFL Owls on Monday on Get Up, they completely disagree with Freddie and Harry. The Cowboys look like the best team in the NFL team. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, again, you see the swagger on defense, and you see an offense that knows who they are. Like we talked about with the Jets, like they don't, they don't, have, they don't have their identity or who they want to be. The Dallas Cowboys on offense know exactly what they want to be offensively. Best team yeah. in the league? No, absolutely. absolutely. You, you have to say it's Dallas. You can, but you'd be wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to do that. Well, and, I think it's San Francisco. The, I think and it's here's San the wild card, right? When we look at the San Francisco 49ers, who was the team that beat this team the last two years in the playoffs? It has been the San Francisco 49ers. Absolutely. So the brand of football that they play is physicality on both sides of the ball. And there's no question marks about, you know, what is this offense going to bring? You know what this offense is going to bring. Can you stop it? As, a, as an elite defense, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, and they've done a good job of containing a San Francisco offense, but it was offensively for Dallas right. that hasn't been great against the San Francisco 49ers defense. So that's what I can't wait to see. I believe that what, that's week five, right? October Freddy? 8th. Yeah, 20 Eastern five. time on Sunday Night Football on looking NBC. Looking forward to it. Yeah, looking so forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing exactly if this can continue when it comes to Dak Prescott and what he's been able to do because it's been a perfect marriage and a mesh. And, yeah, the 40-point burg they put on the Giants, special teams, the defense had, had a chance to help with that. But playing against the Jets, that defense, they got a bunch of dudes over there in the New York Jets defense. And Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott, he completed his first 13 passes in that game. They had that defense on skates the whole, whole time where they could not get any kind of rhythm or any kind of, any kind of playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage against the Cowboys. And they were also smart. That one time that Sauce Gardner almost picked him up, Mike McCarthy said, yep, can't go over there. That guy's too much to play with. And they went at the other corner who's not bad to read. They call it good coaching, though. Right. Remember late in the Buffalo game? That's what Buffalo started doing with Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs, at the end of that game, moved to the left side of the field, away from Sauce Gardner, Mm -hmm. and that's when they started completing some passes. Right. If you know a player is is good like that is – it is in your best interest to leave exactly. that brother alone. <laughs> Listen, my, my receiver coach, Terry Rubisky, we used to play against Asante Samuel. Uh-huh. And he used to say, man, don't you know what with that guy over there. Let's go to the <laughs> other side with his backup at because we know he's going to jump routes. And there's a they call him Mr. Pick Six for a reason. Exactly. Why, why go over there? If, if you're having success early, then you keep going after him. The more you have guys like that, like Sauce Gardner, at a certain point you look at him and say, if we go over there, we keep going over there, that's going to be a problem. And you find him being attacked. He's a good corner. Right. But I would take my chances with DJ Reed versus taking my chances with Sauce Gardner. Yeah, same thing when when Ed Reed was doing his thing. And I'll never get, I came with the phrase, I said two-thirds of the earth is covered by water, the other third by Ed Reed. And if you threw the ball over by Ed Reed, then you shouldn't be surprised if he went the other way with the football. I can't believe yep. we, we threw the ball over there. Ed Reed picked us off. Have you not been watching that guy all this time? There's certain guys you look at, no matter what side of the ball, and you say, we got to make sure that guy does not impact this game. And that's what Sauce Gardner is, barely two years in his NFL career. But if that was Kellen Moore calling the plays, I guarantee you to say, well, the first eight times didn't work, but time number nine is going to. And then it have been a pick six. Momentum swings the other way. You got a quarterback worried about those kind of things. They don't have that issue this year. And check what Micah Parsons, Cowboys linebacker, said about that on the Pat McAfee show regarding his coach. Since I first got here, he's been a guy who showed the utmost respect for all his players, take care of his guys, find ways for us to recover, find ways for us to get better, pushes us to the limit. And, you know, he doesn't cross some boundaries, big family-oriented guy. I mean, he's a truly great coach and a great guy. I would actually hate to ever see anyone like him go. I think he's more nice than any other coach in the NFL. And I think sometimes people tend to take that for granted because how nice and genuine he is. Well, when, when your leader speaks out like that, Amen. it speaks volume. Right? It really does because we give Mike McCarthy a lot of, a lot of heat. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also going to sit up here and praise him when I feel like he need, he deserves to be praised. And he's been in his bag. He's been one step ahead of any defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, whether it was Jeff uh, Ubrick for the New York Jets. He's been one step ahead of both of those guys in calling his plays and putting Dak Prescott in the best positions to succeed and help the football team of the Dallas Cowboys and not hurt the football team of the Dallas Cowboys. So I got had to make sure I showed him uh, show him love. Yeah, Mike McCarthy gave him a lot of credit for this. He said, "If I'm going down, if Jerry Jones gonna move on, on my terms, me, yeah, I'm doing it my way. Yeah. I'm not gonna have somebody else's shoes on my feet. I'm gonna put those shoes on my feet. And if it doesn't work out, at least I have to worry about pointing fingers. I can look in the mirror and say I gave it my all, it didn't work, and they can move on. But I'm not gonna put my livelihood." in the hands of somebody that I don't believe I can trust in key games I can't trust with my quarterback and Dak Prescott. And we've seen that. Dak Prescott looks so relaxed, so much more comfortable in the first couple of games. We'll see if he can make it the rest of the regular season and in the playoffs. But so far, so good with anybody, whether you're a Cowboys fan or not, what we've seen for the Cowboys on both sides of the football. He is Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. I always appreciate you joining us on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. All you have to do is visit Progressive.com. I'm not sure how it's going to feel in the next couple of days. Pretty sore right now, but no, no telling how it's going to feel. So I think we're going to take it day by day. First of all, we got to hear what the doctors have to say before we start to assume anything. So once we get that information, we have to figure out what we're going to do. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to miss the playoffs. There is no need to run Joe Burrow out there when he has a tweaked calf, and we know what a tweaked calf can lead to. That can lead to a snapped Achilles if you keep playing on. For the fourth time in the last five years, the Cincinnati Bengals have started their season 0-2. It happened last year, but they got the AFC Championship game. It feels a little bit different this year because of a certain calf known on the body of Joe Burrow, their quarterback. With Harry Douglas and Freddie Coleman, appreciate you joining us on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM Channel 80. Don't forget to tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. He's an FOS friend of the show. He is Mo Egger. Does a great job. The afternoon drive host with ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. Hit him on Twitter at Mo Egger. Mo, a lot of people are wondering about the Cincinnati Bengals and that tweet cap of Joe Burrow and what should be the timetable. They should sit him or try to massage and get him back out there. In your opinion, how long should they sit Joe Burrow? This cap's a lot more severe than they're letting on. Three words. Protect. The investment. They just gave Joe Burrow a contract that's going to guarantee him $219 million. You can't be too careful. And, yes, an 0-2 start hovers over all of this. Uh, A two-game deficit against the Baltimore Ravens hovers over all of this. I'm for taking a very short view in, in an effort to play a long game. I rule him out on Monday. Now, I don't know that you have to put him on injured reserve. I don't know that they need the roster spot. But... Uh, for the short term, I-, I think you are behaving almost irresponsibly if you play him on Monday. Look, here's what we know. He missed basically all of training camp with a calf issue. He played against the Cleveland Browns. He looked limited. He played against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, to, be, to be fair, he played okay in the second half, but he looked limited. And then after his last pass, he came hobbling off the field. Why is anybody to believe that he's going to be well enough to play effectively on Monday? And why is anybody to believe that if he plays on Monday, he's not incurring significant risk of jeopardizing his season as a whole. So I think I think this is very, very simple. You have the benefit of time, still a good roster, and a backup quarterback in Jake Browning who's been in the system now for a while. I think you name him the starting QB. You let him throw passes to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins this week. You try to beat the L.A. Rams at home. And then on Tuesday, you kind of reconvene and see where things are with Joe's cast. I'm glad you brought up Jamar Chase. Watching him in his first two games, what's kind of going on with him with the slow start? They haven't thrown it deep to him. Uh, and, and it's interesting that the first game, what really stood out was how they threw the ball to T. Higgins eight times and didn't connect on any of them. That issue was rectified against Baltimore. T. had a really good game. But Jamar Chase wants to beat people downfield. I certainly don't blame him. This offense is at its best when he's beating people downfield. But – uh, I, I think, first of all, uh, the way teams are defending the Bengals, would it makes it hard to challenge the teams deep. Teams want to take away the deep ball. I think the other thing is you don't have a quarterback who can right now drive the ball downfield. 
Joe Burrow's calf injury is to his right leg. It's his plant leg. So if you're looking for him to heave it downfield to an open or even a not open Jamar Chase, you're trusting Joe Burrow to get the ball there. I don't think Joe trusts himself to get the ball there. I don't think the people calling the plays trust Joe to get the ball there. And so this offense isn't going to be able to fully take advantage of the wealth of talent they have on the outside until the quarterback is healthier than he is right now. So, Mo, let me ask you this. When I look at the Miami Dolphins and the way Mike McDaniel draws up things and schemes up things for his wide receivers, even though they're phenomenal, and then you look at Sean McVay and when he was with Cooper Cup and the way he was able to do it. Also, you look at Kyle Shanahan and the way he does it with his uh, arsenal that he has. When you look at the Cincinnati Bengals offense, do you think there has to be more creativity when it comes to these receivers, when it comes to motion stacks, to try to make things a little easier, not saying that they need it, but when defenses want to take away certain things from them because they know how they are, they are accustomed to playing, do you think that's something this offense needs to move uh, towards in a new direction when it comes to offensive game planning? I, I think you have to, and Harry, you could speak to this better than I can. I think you have to adjust to circumstance, opponent, how the game is being played. You mentioned Miami. Uh, New England said, we're going to take away Tyreek Hill. Mike McDaniel said, cool, we're going to put together this really effective, really well-designed ground game and let Raheem Mostert do his thing. I think the thing that has stood out from a positive standpoint, from a Bengals perspective over the first two games is Joe Mixon's actually looked pretty good. Now, he's not ripping off 50 or 60-yard runs, but He's carried it 13 times each of the first two games. He's averaged about four and a half a carry. And teams will give Joe Mixon four and a half yards a carry. You've seen how defenses play the Bengals. They beg them to run. Yep. When they've run it so far this year, they've been pretty effective. Why, if you have a quarterback who is compromised and a running back who is getting four and a half a carry in games that are close, are you not giving him the football more? And when I watch Sunday night and I saw the Miami Dolphins react to how the Patriots played them, my first thought was, why couldn't the Bengals do that against Baltimore and maybe to a lesser degree the Cleveland Browns? Great. So I'm Mo Egger from ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati and Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. How much would happen with Aaron Rodgers and his calf injury? And we know what that led to opening night last Monday. Should scare the Bengals to death about Joe Burrow and his calf injury. Yeah, look, obviously no two players are the same, no two bodies are the same, but but how do you not make that connection, right? Because Aaron Rodgers, it was a calf issue regarded as relatively benign during OTAs, and then there there was the image of him laying on the field at MetLife Stadium four plays into his Jets career. How do you not make that connection? So, yeah, I mean, it's a calf issue that didn't just pop up. It goes back to July the 27th. It kept him from all of training camp. It's, it's, it's compromised his effectiveness these first two games, and he came hobbling off the field. The next step strikes me as an injury far more severe. You certainly don't want to make the connection to what happened to Aaron Rodgers, but how don't you? Now, the good news is Joe is younger, uh, but, yeah, I, I think it's the first place a lot of our minds went to when you saw Joe hobble off the field on, on Sunday that the next time he plays, maybe the injury is something much more like what we saw Aaron Rodgers suffer with the New York Jets, and that would be, for this team, much like in New York where they had Super Bowl aspirations, absolutely devastating to this franchise. And, Mo, last one I have for you, and I understand it's early in the season right now, but the, if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan or you're anyone in that organization and you look last night at that Monday night football game and you see the Pittsburgh Steelers, Beat the Cleveland Browns and stopped them from going to be uh, from being two and zero in the uh, overall and also uh, winning two division games. How big was that for Cincinnati moving forward? Well, the math is a little bit easier because when you're zero and two and you have two teams in your division that both beat you and they're two and zero, you start you start to do the arithmetic, right? right. Okay. Well, both those teams have head-to-head victories against you. With Cleveland, it was on a day in which their offense wasn't very good. With Baltimore, it was on a day in which they were without five starters. You're going to have to beat those teams head-to-head. We talked about it yesterday afternoon. From a Bengals perspective, Cincinnati fans hate rooting for Pittsburgh, but you almost had to. 
I think the frustrating thing, though, about the way the first two games have played out is, first of all, you played Cleveland on a day in which their offense wasn't great. You know, we've talked about the Browns. It all hinges on Deshaun Watson. Now even more so without Nick Chubb. Deshaun Watson wasn't very good against the Bengals at all. They still won by three touchdowns. The Ravens come to town. Lamar was terrific, but they had injuries on both sides of the football. They came in sort of battered. That offense is still a work in progress. Uh, The Ravens were up by two scores in the fourth quarter. Those were winnable games. You've got to think, you know, Deshaun Watson's going to play better. Obviously losing Nick Chubb hurts. It's also with the Browns, what hovers over it is they've had recent dominance against Cincinnati because of their defense. What's going to happen when they play week 18? And the next time they play the Ravens, you would imagine they're going to be healthier, and that offense is going to be uh, clicking on more cylinders than it was on Tuesday, on uh, on Sunday, and you've got to figure out a way to beat both teams that you're staring up against. The good news is at least the Browns aren't 2-0. He is an FOS friend of the show. He is Demo Egger from ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. Always does a fantastic job with his radio show. Hit him up on Twitter, Mo Egger, joining Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. We always get the good Mo, man. Thanks a lot, Mo. Talk to you soon, my friend. Freddie, it's great to talk to you while the sun is up. And, Harry, I wish we had soft starter at UC when you were playing against the Bearcats at Louisville. <laughs> nice. A little love there for both. Appreciate your brother. Thanks so much. <laughs> he is Harry Douglas. Hit him on Twitter at hdouglas83. I'm Freddie Coleman at Coleman ESPN. That's pretty good by Mo Egger. Not surprised. Able to bring a little history to the whole situation on the radio side and on the football side. We're going to keep it real, especially when it comes to those teams that are 0-2. It could be your 0-2 team. We'll let you know if they deserve to be where they are or if they should be better or maybe even worse. That's next on Freddie and Harry, and this is ESPN Radio. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Together we are Freddie and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. Appreciate you joining us on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And don't forget about us by telling your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. You get an extra half an hour of us tonight because we lead you in the coverage of the Houston Nationals hosting the Baltimore Orioles. That coverage begins at 7.30 Eastern time on ESPN Wait, Radio Freddy, so you, and ESPN app. So you're saying that's, that's bonus uh, Freddie and Harry today? Because bonus Freddie and Harry is good for the soul, it's good for the show. <laughs> For the country, that's how yeah, I'm. Might get a little zany. Who knows? <laughs> you might what? <laughs> get a little zany. You know. Wait, I think we passed zany. Yeah, a little zany. September fifth. A little, little, little bit of zany. Huh? <laughs> Two weeks ago, when this show first got started, the zany, a little zany. Right, you know, right? The zany culture was already a high level. We've exceeded that for the past two weeks. So I think we're well beyond the zany level. When it comes to zany, that's what the NFL is. It's always zany because you never know who's going to be good, who's going to be bad, who rises up, who's going to fall. But Bill Parcells, the Hall of Fame head coach, always said. And I quote, you are what your record says you are. So we bring in Shannon Penn. We're going to find out from Shannon Penn. He's going to throw 0-2 records at us from NFL teams. We're going to let you know if these are real in terms of, yeah, they deserve to be 0-2 or they're not as bad as their record. So Shannon Penn, the floor is yours. All right, the first team up on the list, Harry, the New England Patriots, currently 0-2. Is that record real? How real is the 0-2 record for the uh, Patriots? I'll be honest, I think the Patriots are a better team than the 0-2 record shows. Um, okay. I like what they def- their defense shows. I like what the capabilities that they have defensively and the flexibility. I think I, I don't say I think I, I have liked what I've seen from Mac Jones being paired with Bill O'Brien. 
Uh, the only thing that still makes me wonder about this football team is the lack of playmaking ability yeah. on the outside, the lack of team speed from an offensive standpoint. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they deserve to be on too because the Eagles game, they were never in danger winning that game in my opinion. I know they made that run at the end, but you never had that thought they were going to find a way to get into the end zone against the Eagles. And the Miami Dolphins game, yeah, they had that play towards the end, but you just never got that sense. And I just wonder how much of this is going to be the Patriots deal. But Chris Canty, co-host of Unsportsmanlike, every morning on ESPN Radio from 6, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern time, he joins Evan Cohen and Michelle Smallman. He believes the Pages can be that team that can go from 0-2 and be a threat in the AFC. I mean, defensively, they have everything that you're looking for. Matt Jadon is still one of the best edge rushers in all of football. And Mac Jones, who knew it, isn't terrible when he has a legitimate offensive coordinator. So... I'm going to say the New England Patriots, when they get healthier along their offensive line, I think the worm will turn in terms of their, their fortunes. They'll get a little bit better. Well, we'll see because they got a Jets team that's playing on the road. They've beaten them 14 straight times, and the Jets are sick of hearing about that, no matter who's playing quarterback, whether it's Zach Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Richard Todd, or Joe Namath. They're tired of hearing that about the Patriots. Then they're at the Dallas Cowboys. They're not winning that one. Home versus the Saints. I don't believe they're winning that one. With the Saints defense and Alvin Kamara will be back in their lineup at running back. So if they're going to turn it around, it better start on Sunday. But I think that record is real. The Patriots, they deserve to be 0-2. All right, Freddie, the next team up on the list, the Los Angeles Chargers. Is the Chargers 0-2 record real or not real? Yeah, it's real. I've seen way too much of this where this team has not held on the leads since Brandon Steele has become their head coach. <laughs> I mean, they hired him as a defensive guy. Surprise, surprise. From the Los Angeles Rams. They brought in a guy that was supposed to be a defensive guru, never mind the fact that the Rams were 16th in total defense in the NFL. Normally when you're a defensive coordinator, you get a head coaching job, you have a top 10, top 5 defense. He didn't even have a top 15 defense, and he got the job. He's supposed to be known for defense. That's exactly worked. And look at their last three games. 27-0 lead against the Jacksonville Jaguars. You would think a defensive guy would figure out to make sure you don't lose that lead. Went away. Up against the Dolphins. You think a defensive guy would keep Tyree Kill and not play one-on-one coverage. Went away. Had a double-digit lead against the Tennessee Ugh. Titans. Not exactly an offensive juggernaut. Went away. So, yeah, they are real at 0-2. Because that defense is not getting any better as long as Brandon Staley is calling the plays. Yeah, their record is real. Um, and I'm glad you brought up their defense, Freddie. They're 30th in points allowed from a defensive perspective. Oof. They're allowing 31.5 points per game. I don't know who you think you're going to be if you're allowing that many points in a football game. And you brought up the game against the Tennessee Titans this past weekend in which you had back-to-back plays of – penalties that allow Tennessee to have a drive continue and then they go on to win that football game and over time the play calling a little little questionable to me mm-hmm. with Brandon Staley and then you look on the offensive side of Tennessee they were able to go down and kick a field goal and win the game so I think their record is real all right next up on the list for you Harry the Denver Broncos how real is the Broncos 0-2 record right now Ooh. real 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 and more real <laughs> that was aggressive Whenever, whenever you have the lead that you had against the Washington Commanders and you allow a quarterback in his second year who a ton of people had questions about, uh, when Ron Rivera named him as a starting quarterback and he galvanizes the troops and leads them to a victory over you, things aren't going well in Denver right now. The mm-hmm. best thing going on in Colorado is Coach Prime and I know. company. Yeah, can you imagine, by the way, Harry Douglas, Freddie Cohen together, how real or not real are the 0-2 teams in the NFL on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio? I'm with you as far as the Denver Broncos. And just seeing the look on Sean Payton's face at the end of that game, is it to say, he wasn't bad. <laughs> Russell Wilson wasn't good, but he wasn't bad. So I can't replace him, although I don't believe Jared Stidham should be the guy replacing Russell Wilson. But he may do it anyway if things continue to go sideways. He'll just put him in and then have the quarterback he really wants next year. But, yeah, they're 0-2 for a reason. They've earned it. They deserve it, whether people in Denver want to hear that or not. All right, Freddie, next team on the list, looking at how real these 0-2 teams are in their record, Cincinnati Bengals. We just talked with Mo Egger. How real is that 0-2 record for the Bengals, Freddie? That's real to me because look at the two teams they played. They've always had problems with the Cleveland Browns. They lost 24-3, to and they can't even blame the wet weather for that one. 
and the Baltimore Ravens, I mean, the one thing I love about games like that, they're fist fights. And at mm-hmm. the end, the Baltimore Ravens landed the biggest punch to knock down Cincinnati. They would have won that game if Joe Burrow had not re-injured his calf muscle late in that ball game. This Bengals team, we've seen this before. They've started 0-2, but it feels different this time. I thought last year it was just a dumb luck situation the first couple of games. This year, uh-uh. The Browns have been better, and the Ravens have been better. They're definitely real at 0-2. Yeah, I think it's real, too. And I'm looking at that game, Freddie, against the Baltimore Ravens, and I thought Cincinnati missed a ton of opportunities. Irv Smith Jr. on the first drive. Joe Burrow finds him on the sideline. Son, drag your feet. This is not college when you right. get one foot in and think it's going to count. Jamar Chase <laughs> dropping a touchdown pass on third and five in a tight red zone. Joe Burrow throwing an interception in the red zone. Uh, Tyler Boyd drop, dropping a touchdown pass in the left corner of the end zone. Missed opportunities but the two teams that they're playing are not slouches and we're talking about division games so it's real all right next up on the list harry how real is the minnesota vikings 0-2 record i'm gonna go not real back there is not real (laughs) (laughs) because the minnesota vikings could have easily won a game versus the Philadelphia Eagles in – who did they play week one? I think it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, it was. But the turnovers, seven turnovers in two games, and even with the seven turnovers, they still had a chance, Freddie, to win both of those football games. So I'm going to go not real for them. Yeah, their record's real. (laughs) If anything, we saw this last year when winning all those one-score games – it never happens like that in back-to-back years in the National Football League. True. Out of their victories last year, they were 11-0 and in one-score games. This year, they're 0-2 in one-score games. Now, they may have a potential get-right game with the Chargers because the Chargers may find some way somehow to blow that ball game. They're playing that game in Minnesota. Then they should get right against the Panthers. But then they got the Chiefs, 49s, and Packers, three out of their four games. We could see a Minnesota Vikings team be potentially 2-5 and and 1-6. and So, yeah, 0-2, definitely real. All right, last one on the list. Freddie, how real is the Chicago Bears 0-2 record? Do we, need to, do we need to answer this question? I mean, come on now. Uh, is that, hasn't Justin Fields gone through enough in the offseason in the first couple of games to not allow Freddie Dwayne Cohen to bang on him? Hell yeah, that record is real 0-2. They look like a team that still has not figured out how to put talent in the best possible positions on the field. And that goes beyond their quarterback. That includes their wide receivers. That includes their defensive players. They don't have somebody on that team that can galvanize and say, guys, I'm tired of this bull bleep. Or as Deion Sanders, I say, I'm tired of this bull junk. There's too much bull junk going on in Chicago, and nobody seems to understand how to make that right and get everybody on the same page. They've earned the right to be 0-2 because there's too much bull junk going on with the Chicago Bears. Yeah, Freddie, and a lot of people may ask, and as they're watching Justin Fields, and the question may be, why is he regressing? So when I look at Luke Getze and some of the situations that they put Justin Fields in, I raise eyebrows. Also, Justin Fields can't sit back there and hold the football and just see things happening. You have to anticipate what's going to happen based on what the coverage the defense is giving you, right? So I think when you look at – Justin Fields has to be better, a lot better. But also, I think it's a situation where the coaching staff has to be better. Can I be honest with you, Freddie? Of course you can. Or you can be Harry. I think think I'm at the point right now where I just want to see Justin Fields somewhere else. Okay. I really do. I want to see him with somebody who's going to understand his skill set, someone who's also going to coach him up the proper way. Because obviously, if we keep seeing the same thing over and over again – it's not happening. And you can see the frustration on his face sitting on the sidelines on Sundays to say, this is not what any of us have signed up for. But I keep wondering if things continue to go down that route and it seems like they're going down that path, that Justin Fields may want to be in the fall guy for everything that has gone wrong offensively and not progressing when it comes to Chicago Bears. He has to have some blame, but not all the blame should be on him when it comes to how things have not gone well for Chicago so far in the first part of the season. He's Harry Douglas and Freddie Coleman. I also appreciate you joining us. And Freddie and Harry, hit us up anytime you want. Be a part of the Freddie and Harry hotline and be heard at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. So why did Giants coach Brian Dayball say that about Saquon Barkley when we clearly know it is no longer his team? This is ESPN Radio. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. 
He's Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Along with Freddie and Harry. Sing it, Isaac. Go on, Isaac. Give it to us now. Why are you crying, brother? Guitar, please. Finish this up, Isaac Hayes. If that doesn't make you feel good, there's something wrong with you. You better on believe the, it. On ESPN Radio, <laughs> the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And don't forget to tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Brian Dable is hoping that Saquon Barkley will be able to walk on by and run on by when Thursday rolls around against the San Francisco 49ers, even though he suffered a ordinary ankle sprain. Harry, I've never heard an ankle sprain described that way. I heard high <laughs> ankle sprains. I've heard severe ankle sprains. But ordinary ankle sprains, that's breaking new terminology. I don't think that Stevania Bell, our ESPN NFL injury expert, would qualify that. But Adam Schefter said the Giants, where he suffered an ordinary ankle sprain. That's breaking new ground. Oh, well, I mean, there's different variations. Um, I've had a ton of them. Unfortunately, I, I've rolled my ankle so much, Freddie, yeah. to the point to where if I roll it, I didn't have to miss practice or miss games or anything. Really? Yeah. Like, I could roll my ankle. I actually did it at my son's birthday party. Stepped in a doggone hole on the go-kart thing. Rolled it really bad. It's, it's, it was swollen Were a little bit. Were you walking or just? No, I was running. I was running across to go grab my son so we could ride the go-karts again. Okay. And it was a little hole, a little divot in the ground, and I rolled the hell out of it. Really? But I was I was good, though. Like, I didn't. Ice it, didn't wrap it, did nothing. I was, I'm, I'm so accustomed to doing it. Uh-huh. But everybody's body's different because Saquon, yeah. you know, he has a little bit more weight. I'm going to say a little bit. He has a lot more weight on his body than I do. Mm-hmm. Pauls. <laughs> For the calls. I'm, I'm glad you did that. <laughs> Pauls. So, a grateful so, nation is thankful that you did that, by the way. Like an like a ankle injury for an offensive lineman, defensive lineman is different for a corner or whatnot. But uh, I don't think Saquon – should be playing in this Thursday night football game. Mm-hmm. Will it be good if he was playing and if he if he was 100% healthy? Yes. Right. But when you look at the aggressiveness of the San Francisco 49ers in their defense and you look at the rest of the schedule for the New York Giants, I think it's okay to just allow him to get healthy mm-hmm. and be ready for the Seattle Seahawks, the Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills, and the Washington Commanders, those four games in, in that stretch of the football season. Well, apparently Brian Dayball, the Giants head coach, he must have some holy water that he's rubbing on Saquon Barkley's ankle because they're not exactly ruling him out for a game that happens two nights from now against those bloodthirsty pirates known as the San Francisco 49ers. Okay, I mean, safe to say he'll be out on Thursday night. Uh, I'm not saying that he's out yet. He's he's a quick healer. Um, I'm not saying he's in, he's out. We're going to take it all the way up with him uh, to, to Thursday, but he feels a lot better today. Um, I just I just talked to him, so we'll see, we'll see where we're at. You know what Brian Dayball sounds like? He sounds like Bill Belichick of the Pages. Well, you know, I'm oh, Saquon Barkley. Oh, he coached with that gentleman, yeah. didn't he? Also, yeah. Nick Saban, too. Mm, yeah, I'm Saquon Barkley. He's a, a quick healer. And, you know, I, I talked to him today, and he, he, I think he's um, – I mean, he, we don't know yet. He sounds just like Bill Belichick. Man, Saquon better go get him – go to that gas station, go get him some skull, hit that thing with his finger, <laughs> go put a nice dip in and sit the hell down. That's when he put that little dip at the bottom of his lip. You hit that you – hit, you hit my fingers – yeah, I do. You I hit see that them skull too. before you open it up. Put that dip right in the bottom. <laughs> get a little couple spits in. Get your little bottle. Get those Seven Eleven flowers for the man. Misses. Call it a, call it a night Thursday night. <laughs> give him like a give him like a burrito that takes the, only a minute to prepare in the big gulp. That's what you should put do. Put a little earpiece in so you can hear the play calls. You know, <laughs> call it a night, baby. Call it a night. <laughs> and Saquon's probably listening right now going, Harry, why are you going to do me like that? Really? That's how we're doing me like that? And I know why it's Saquon Barkley because, and I hate to bring this up, when you got financial reasons on the table for a certain yeah. amount of games that have to be played, the meet incentives, because he didn't have to beg, borrow, steal when it comes to Daniel Jones getting his money, but Saquon Barkley had to put it out there. I could sit out, I don't want to sit out, and then finally he caved in the New York Giants because he wanted to play football and he didn't want to go a season without getting paid. I'm hoping he's not doing this for financial reasons because that's what the running back market is. But a lot of people would not blame Saquon Barkley putting himself in harm's way just because he knows that if he doesn't meet certain incentives, he's not getting anywhere near the money he got last year when he was a beast for the New York Giants being their best player in that football team. Look, and, and Saquon Barkley is a phenomenal player, and he solely put this team on his back last year, and they were able to make the playoffs. But I'm also looking at their schedule and the defenses that they're going against this year, Freddie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I, I hope he's looking at that too. You always bet on yourself. Now that's the mindset of a, of, of, of athlete. You bet on yourself always. But I'm looking. I'm being realistic and looking at the defenses that he's had, he has to go against this year as well. One of the things about the Giants, and I, if you're Brian Dayball, you're trying to put that kind of carrot out there that the 49ers will have the game plan against him. But I'm sure Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers defense, going. Just like they told Booby Miles in Friday Night Lights, he ain't playing. Man, man, better go get that skull, hit that thing. The one, the pouches, though, not the not the snuff. I used to have to go get my great grandma. She used I, to send me to the store. I was about to say, it sounded like you were speaking from experience. This is the little pouch, the little pouch. <laughs> find out more about the Harry Douglas from Harry Douglas family clan each and every time here on Freddie and Harry. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Speaking of New York football teams and having issues. Uh, they don't want Zach Wills to play their quarterback anymore, but they have no choice. Could Kirk Cousins be an option? And what do Kirk Cousins have to say about that? That's next. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. And welcome to the best show on your radio. An extra 30 minutes when it comes to Freddie and Harry. Thank you very much. You got Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Appreciate you joining us on the mighty ESPN radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And don't forget to tell your smart speaker to play ESPN radio. 15 minutes away until you find out guess who Odo Beckham Jr. is hanging out with and why this should scare every Baltimore Ravens fan that comes your way in about 15 minutes. A lot of Jets fans would not mind Harry Douglas. If Kirk Cousins can hang out the New York Jets, Uh-oh. they don't want Zach Wilson as their quarterback anymore. Well, they didn't want Zach Wilson as their quarterback, period, but Aaron Rodgers is there, took him under his wing. Everybody thinks he's going to help Zach Wilson. It worked out well in the second half versus Buffalo last Monday night. But then on Sunday, it just went wow when it comes to Zach Wilson. Now people are wondering, what are the Jets going to do? Well, we had Kirk Cousins on, meeting Harry Douglas and Shea Cornett, who was in for me yesterday when I was up in Albany for Coaches versus Cancer, doing a great job. They always do raising money for cancer research, raised over $300,000 to try to beat down cancer. Always great, great stuff from Lizzie Hunt and everybody else up there. But in my absence, you and Shea Cornett did a great job interviewing Kirk Cousins, and he talked about how the rumors – mean absolutely nothing to him. It's all about the here and now and with the team he's playing for in Minnesota. I'm pretty much just focused on life here in Minnesota. I got enough to worry about with uh, the Chargers coming this week, and uh, I understand people have to sell radio shows and, and talk sports and all that. That's, that's all well and good, but that's not really my job or my focus. So, um, you know, I'm focused on being with the Vikings, hopefully for as long as I can and then my career here. And we actually, you know, the TVs in the building at the practice facility, we always say, hey, put it on the hunting channel, the tennis channel, the golf channel. Like the last thing we wanted on is people making hot takes. So uh, we kind of insulate ourselves, you know, on my car rides to and from work. I'm calling family members, listening to music at home. I'm, you know, just kind of doing my own thing. So we kind of just live life, ignoring the noise. It's just kind of a way of life in pro football because there will always be noise. And that's part of what makes the league fun. But it's not necessarily for us as players to engage with. It's more for the fans and for the community. And our job is to go in and prepare for our opponent and do the best we can executing on Sundays. And I think the, the best position that any player could be in right now is uh, Kirk Cousins because he has a no-trade clause. Not everyone has that luxury right. when they're playing any professional sport. And, you know, when you don't have that, a team could just say, you know what, we're going to make this trade. They go on, go on come, hey, call, up, call you up to the office or call you on the phone, let you know what they're going to do and their plans. And next thing you know, you got to ship your family off. But Kirk Cousins, in, in which we know is a big family man, he talked about that a little bit yesterday when he was on the show, uh, doesn't have to worry about that. If a trade is going to happen, he has to okay it and sign off on it because of that no trade clause. Now, Kirk Cousins, in the locker room, and run us a facility. We're not gonna have it on no hunting channel. Even though I love to hunt, we're not gonna have it on that. We're not little golf, maybe some golf and other stuff. No, it's gonna be on sports, sports shows. That's what's gonna be on the locker room. That's what's gonna be on around the facility. Who on the Minnesota Vikings football team is allowing that to happen? Well, it's not so much that they're allowing it to happen when you have seniority. And you are the king of the court. You can dictate exactly what the music selections are going to be. Well, you know what? You are right about that. And and, and I should have known that, Freddie, because, <laughs> you know, when it comes to the music in the locker room, older players have the authority 
to say what can be played uh-huh. on the TV, what can be played uh, uh-huh. on the speakers and the music in the locker room and the weight room. Uh-huh. You know, so much to the point that we used to have White Boy Wednesday. You oh, know what? God. We had White Boy Wednesday. It was fun. <laughs> I heard a lot of music that I probably wouldn't have listened to on my own, but okay. I grew to, you know, yeah. add those songs to my playlist. Okay. Well, name, name one in particular that you said to yourself, I never thought I would like this song, but based on WBW, White Boy Wednesday, you became a fan of. I would say some Kane, some Kane Brown. Okay, that's much more recent. That's kind of like halfway um, on Wednesday. But it was it was time. <laughs> it, no, it was times that um, Taylor Swift was played. Okay, in so, the locker room. So it's WGW then. Yeah. Okay. No, it's still called White Boy Wednesday. No matter no matter the gender. Yeah. No matter the designation. You know that I'm a chicken fried. Cold beer on a Friday night. Oh, Lord. You know a pair of jeans that fit just right. In a radio. Oh, oh, oh. Look at you. Look at you. All right. <laughs> chicken fried. <laughs> a cold beer on a Friday night. I used to play that song a pair of Fitzsimmons. I know the songs right. in the system. The minute you said that, I said it's going to come back to haunt you. And that's a Zach Brown band, right? Zach Brown band, yes. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. As soon as you start singing that. My woman's eyes. Yeah, I think Devin almost tore his ACL running across the room to make sure that song could get loaded in so you could get your groove on with <laughs> Zach Brown in the band. But another Zach, I, I guarantee the Jets fans rather have Zach Brown as their quarterback than Zach Wilson as their quarterback. They much <laughs> rather have that guy under center instead of Zach Wilson. But the Jets were asked, especially the coach, with Zach Wilson and his troubles that seem to be ongoing, and they're about to play the Patriots, a team they have not beaten in 14 straight times. Robert Sala, the Jets head coach, was asked this question about the quarterback room. Do you um, do you guys have any plans to add anyone to the quarterback room this week? Um, that's probably more of a question for Joe, but uh, um, not not. I, I don't think so. The hesitation was great. <laughs> he said, yep, "Ask Joe." <laughs> but Coach Sala asking you, "Yeah, ask Joe." That means they've been having that discussion, in my opinion. When you hesitate and you search for your words, because I know that he knows that everybody has to have that support for Zach Wilson. The last thing that Zach Wilson and the Jets need right now is that everybody outwardly makes it known, yep, can't believe in this guy. Want to, can't, can't do it. I want winners. I don't want him. So you got to couch your words to not let everybody know exactly what you could possibly be thinking or more than anything else, what you may even think about doing because you can't continue down this road and you don't want to get too far down before somebody else that you want to sign and you got to get them in there too late. Well, also, you know Zach Wilson has to be your quarterback this weekend versus the New England Patriots. So you also don't want to be in a situation where a guy might be sensitive and you say something about a quarterback and and you're the head coach and now you got to go back and – you know, deal with that. You don't want to make it, you don't want to make things that much more harder than they already are when it, for Zach Wilson, right? So that also plays a part into it. And I just sent you a picture, Freddie. You know what I'm saying? So so I got to meet Kane Brown this weekend. You did. I got to meet Kane Brown this weekend. Yeah, man. So that's why he was on my mind. So I did this, um, I did this piece for the Atlanta Falcons where Uh we had two fans come out and, the DJ would play about 10 seconds of a Kane Brown song and they would have 10 seconds to finish the lyrics. And I got so excited when they played my song heaven that I started singing with the gentleman. I started singing with him and Kane Brown was laughing so doggone hard. So I got, I got got to meet, got to meet him this weekend. Why why you wait until four hours plus deep into the show and then you send me that nugget. Because I just thought about it when we t- started talking about White Boy Wednesdays and, and some of the songs that I have on my playlist and yeah, stuff. So, yeah. like, Kane Brown is one of my favorites. So that's okay. that's why I thought about him And I'm a, I'm a big fan of him as well. By the way, he had a great sit-down with Willie Guys from uh, Today, NBC Today show on Sunday. Great sit-down about where he came from and what he had gone through with his family and everything like that to get to that point right now and being so appreciative of any kind of success, playing at Fenway Park, doing a song with his wife and having that reflected on her that she had to have a chance to have a hit with him as well. It's a really, really cool story. And you wait until four hours and 11 minutes in to share this about you and Kane Brown meeting over the weekend. He's got a Falcons jersey on. Harry Harry is suited and booted on a Sunday, hanging out and everything like that. But you wait until this time? I thought we knew each other better than that after two weeks. Zany hours, Freddie. Zany hours. Yeah, over time, over time. A little over time right now. But I will say this. So, Devin, uh, when we come back,
I need some Jason Aldean as well. No, you don't. You make no, you it easy. No, you don't. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Let's speak behind the curtain here. Yeah, exactly. So we're on it. We're on for obviously an extra half hour, which means we have one extra song. Yeah, before yeah. Astros so, Bars get so together, seven thirty Eastern time. I pulled. I pulled the host and said, "What do we want?" Right. And, and Harry, right away, I'm not so, going to give away the song, but he right. gave me a song, and I and I just loaded into the system, and yeah, now exactly. he wants another now song. You want another oh, one? give me some Chris Stapleton, some Tennessee the whiskey. The vibe can change at any time, Dev. No, it thank can't. you, no, no, Rachel. I, thank you, Rachel. It's easy for Rachel to say that because she's not doing anything. Dev is the one that's got to bring the music right. in. How, dare you, how dare you say Rachel's not doing anything? Rachel, you work hard. I brought you your great sounder earlier, Freddie. <laughs> wow. Look that, what I just started, that, Freddie. That you, have, that you have plenty of time to work on, but we're trying to put Devin Kane under the crunch. Meanwhile, Rachel had about at least 25 minutes to put the sounder together. Devin's got a sense of like 10 seconds to put it together, but I'm the villain in the piece. I, I will say, this is, the, this is the sound that Rachel brought in, and it's okay. very good. It is Devin! Back there is not real. Okay, how long did that take you? This mid-segment. It was solid, like, five minutes. I had to look it up, research, like, grab it, it's, drop it in the system, it, edit girl, it. Rachel, it, it's, add a girl, Rachel. Add a girl. It's still three minutes and 50 seconds less than what Devin has to deal with. All I'm going to say is this this song, which I'm going to play yeah. when we come back because yeah. I, I brought it in. Yeah. I can only play a little bit. It's, yeah, a, exactly. bit, it's a bit suggestive. Yeah, put it this way. That song <laughs> has so much to do with a Major League Baseball player and an NFL football player. We'll talk about that next on Freddie and Harry, and this is ESPN Radio. It's season season. The Freddie and Harry Podcast. By the way, he's Harry Douglas of Freddie Coleman and Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio as well as the ESPN app, Sirius X and Channel 80. Tell you smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Now, we know this record, Harry and I. Came out in 1982. Prince wrote it for Vanity Six. Devin Kane has never heard this record before. <laughs> and is and mind blown. Like, Devin has a new favorite toy now, and it's called this song. <laughs> Listen, I know from working with working with Harry on the other show uh-huh. that whenever he wants me to bring in songs, yeah. I have to always look up the lyrics. Absolutely, <laughs> this is this is family friendly radio. Yeah. You, you do you do not need a situation like on Blackish where Jack dances to um, Gold Digger by Kanye West and they played the version and Diane goes, "I begged him to play the radio edit." Always have that in your mind. That if Harry suggests something, look for the radio edit, clean version, instrumental version first before tread carefully. The life Damn. you save will be your own. Yes. You heard what she said anywhere, baby. Think of a nasty girl. What? <laughs> mm, 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 mm. As I'm hitting that Eddie Murphy dance uh, yes, in Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, we got that piece of news that we had new news for Devin Kane when it comes to music. But let's move on to this as well. They may not be the top stories of the day. In other news. But you need to be in the know. This is In Other News. Well, Shohei Otani, part of the first part of other in other news, had elbow surgery. He told everybody that it went well. He expects to hit in 2024, Harry, but he expects to pitch in 2025. There's no question that even if he only does one thing, just hitting next year, the floor for his new contract is going to be $400 million and go up from there. No, and I agree. It still should be the same. We're talking about a guy as a DH who was phenomenal as a hitter. We talk about someone who can hit the ball out of the ballpark, who can hit the ball opposite field, but also he provides that pitching. Now, it might be a year before he's able to pitch again, Mm -hmm. but I would take my chances with that, knowing that I can, even if it's two years, knowing at some point I can still get him back in those regards. Even if you don't allow him to be a starting pitcher right away and he's a relief pitcher coming in and sparing uh, one of your starting pitchers, Shohei Otani is box office, and you think about the brand that he is from a global standpoint. That alone, uh, on top of his performance on the baseball field, should want you should want you to pay him that money. In other news regarding Damian Lillard, by the way, he's still a member of the Portland Trailblazers, but he was on "It Is What It Is" podcast with Cameron and Mace, and he spoke about another long rumored suitor for his services. His hometown Golden State Warriors, Damian Lillard, a, na- a excuse me, a native of Oakland, USA. He said, and I quote: "I respect what they've been doing over the last eight, nine years, or whatever, and I'm from there, obviously." That's home. But I can't go be a part of that. I'd lose every year before I go, end quote. I wonder if he would feel the same way if a certain guy named Steph Curry wasn't part of the Golden State Warriors. And maybe if Steph wasn't there, he might think about joining up knowing he would be the dude with Klay Thompson and everybody else. Well, you got to respect it, though, Freddie, because not everybody has that mindset. And granted, I would say the route that Kevin Durant took, I'm not – 
pooping on that either because mm-hmm. I feel like if you're doing the best thing for your career and the best thing for your um, longevity to win rings or to be in the best position possible, right. then you need to do that. Right. But Damian Lillard just said that he's not going that route. He would rather lose before he does it. So I yeah. respect it. Yeah, and for, for all the years that he said that he would never want to go to a super team, you can't go to the Golden State Warriors. I mean, yeah. he wants out to go to Miami. But going there, a team that he could not beat in the playoffs, that'd be the last thing that Damian Lillard wants to do. Guess who is hanging out together when it comes Ooh. to Odell Beckham Jr., NFL superstar? Now, according to TMZ, because TMZ reports it, you know it's 100% actual and factual. He and his longtime girlfriend, Lauren Wood, split up not too long ago. He started hanging out with Kim Kardashian. TMZ says sources connected to these two, Kim Kardashian, Odell Beckham Jr., that while she's not seriously dating anyone at the moment, she's open to finding love again if she finds the right person. The source says they're strictly friends and they got a few mutual friends in common. That's how that got started before with James Harden. <laughs> Any anytime a Kardashian is with somebody, Odell Beckham Jr., believe me. This is not good for you. Stay away. Right. If, if you want to hang out, have a cup of coffee, how are the kids doing, yada, yada, yada. Start getting serious with a Kardashian. Career over. Injuries coming. Money gone. Stay away. This public service message brought by Freddie Coleman and Harry Douglas. They're hanging out, according to TMZ. Stay away. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Stay away. <laughs> <laughs> to each his own, but stay away. Exactly. Oh, God. Part of in other news here on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Last but lot, not least, excuse me, Memphis Bleak, rapper extraordinaire, was on Drink Champs Podcast. He spoke about trying to get Beyonce tickets from Jay-Z. Now, these two have known each other for more than a minute. They go back to the days growing up in the Marcy Projects in Brooklyn, New York, not too far from where I grew up, out on Hancock Street between Nostrand and also when it comes to Marcy Avenue. Bleak said, yo, big homie, I need some tickets for the show. It's wifey's birthday. JC replied, nah, you guys trying to turn into the ticket guy now? <laughs> Memphis Bleak finally confirmed that he got tickets after tweeting a picture of him and JC side-by-side backstage. Now, we want to know. So you play yep. in the NFL. You yep. play for the Atlanta Falcons and the Tennessee Titans. What was maybe the craziest ticket request that you got from anybody that said at the last second, come on, man, do me a solid. I need this many tickets. Well, it's funny because a ton of people, Freddie, used to ask me at the last minute for tickets. But see how the NFL works? Your ticket forms have to be turned in on Wednesdays, uh-huh. right, if it's a Sunday game. So it's different from the NBA. So when my brother, Tony Douglas, ladies and gentlemen, those of you listening who don't know who my brother is, play eight years in the NBA, overseas now in Portugal. But my brother, the day of the game, they can get tickets still. In the okay. NFL, it don't work like that. Okay. you got to turn that form in on Wednesdays normally. And if you don't, you might be SOL. But I've had people on numerous of occasions, hey, you think you can get me six tickets? Six tickets? For who? Man, my partner. I don't know your damn partner. I already don't want to give it to you. How many tickets are you allowed, by the way? Two, you only get two free. All two the rest free? of them you got to pay for. So right. when you're on a, in a winning organization, now them tickets might be $159 a piece. Ooh. 179 a piece. If it's a new stadium, it might go to the 200s a piece. So that's what people got to understand. These players don't get all those tickets free. They got to, you get two free at home. They got to pay for them. If you're, it's an away game, you don't get any free for away games. Yeah. When I worked in music radio and if a big artist was ever coming to town, people really were hitting me up for tickets. I mean, I worked at the height of when new kids in the block were at the height of their powers. And when they came to town, when I worked in Portland, Maine, I literally had to shut off my phone. So many, my my eight-year-old would think it's the most wonderful birthday present, or my 10-year-old <laughs> loves new kids in the block, or they got about eight friends that they want to bring. And I said, it was like that then for me, working in music radio for new kids in the block. I can't imagine what it's like for a DJ Freddie. who has a program that either has Beyonce music or Taylor Swift music on it. Freddie, right now, a lot of people know I still do, do a lot with the Atlanta Falcons organization, also the Tennessee Titans, too. Right. So I would have people random, randomly hit me up. Hey, you think you can get me four tickets to the Falcons game? No, I have a credential. 
that allows me to go to every game that I want to. I have a credential. Exactly. When it comes to my kids, I don't give my kids tickets. I give them, I make sure they have a credential too. I don't do that ticket stuff. Yeah. I don't blame you. But wow. Can you imagine like Jay-Z gets hit up? He's like, look, I can't get tickets to my woman's concert. What makes you think I can get some free for you? Beyonce, put me on the list. Nah, Bleak, I'm sorry, my dude. And also, look, I want to let it be known right now, Uh just because we work at ESPN, don't mean we we got tickets. Thank you. I remember I worked in 2016, 2017, lived Mm. in Miami, and folks like, oh, yeah, you work at ESPN. What's up with some heat tickets? Mm -mm. (laughs) No. No, That's not how that flies. That's not how it works. If we're lucky to get two or a press credential, and plenty of times we got to call in some favors. Yeah. They are very, very strict with those kind of things, no doubt. Look, I had to call my boy Marcus Freeman, head coach of Notre Dame, man, to uh-huh. get me some field passes for, you know, the game this weekend. <laughs> you know? Hey, relationships are everything. Luckily, oh, you got I, a relationship. I, I'm not hating on you when it comes to that, but it, we're just, like Shannon said, we're taking people behind the curtain. Just because you work in a certain place doesn't mean that the perks that could be allowed for them should be transferred to you. Ooh, y'all. That's not how that works, whether you're a nasty boy, nasty girl, or not. So we got the Houston Astros about to host the Baltimore Orioles as we get closer and closer to dependent races in the major leagues. That game is going to happen between both of those teams. The Orioles right now still leading the AL East, and the Houston Astros trying to do their thing to keep the Seattle Mariners and the Texas Rangers at bay. So we got Astros against the Baltimore Orioles that comes up part of Major League Baseball on ESPN Radio. I would say it's been a fun time. It's been beyond that because that's what we do yes, each and every new uh, here on Freddie and Harry. You got Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. We will see you tomorrow. So join us on the mighty ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series XM Channel 80, and don't forget about us on TuneIn. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to Freddie and Harry live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app, the Freddie and Harry podcast.